the Sunday Sermons Podcast. We're starting to come around the, the final lap here. We've got a few more weeks of this month, a few more weeks of this series called Listen to the Spirit. If you've missed some of it, I hope that you go back because this is foundational stuff. Many of us still, I think, are, are tempted to go, why do we need to know how to hear the voice of the Spirit? Why do we need to be led by the Spirit? Here's something that I'm learning more than ever in this, uh, these days is this. If you can do whatever you're doing for God right now without the Holy Spirit's help, you've missed the whole thing. I don't know how else to say it. Literally from the beginning, the Holy Spirit of God was bringing light out of darkness and, and, and order out of chaos. Jesus compared him to the wind, which is invisible, but very, very tangible. You can feel it. You can see its results. You can see what the wind is doing. It's a power that you cannot harness. You can make a little copy of it with a, with a fan or something like that, but you can't control the power of a wind like a tornado or a hurricane or just the wind. You can't box it up. You can't fix it. It's way bigger. You can't see it, but you can certainly see its effects. You can see what's happening. The Spirit of God is not something that we can harness. It's not something that we can somehow control or generate these things ourselves. The fruit of the Spirit are things that only He can produce in our lives to the level that they need to be produced. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. That's another image that we see over and over throughout Scripture whenever the Spirit of God is present, is some sort of a fire. I don't know if you've ever seen a forest fire in real life you've probably at least seen it on tv but it's a scary thing and it's just so enormously destructive you just can't even imagine the power of this that what started as a spark just turns into this enormous force but one thing we sometimes forget about forest fires is just how transforming they are they not only consume but there's a rebirth that happens afterwards. Usually every forest, once it's burned down, regrows all the trees and it's a healthier forest than it was before. And I, I don't know for sure that that's what they're talking about in that verse, but I see something in, in creation here that I think it represents what the Spirit does. He is a consuming fire, but he replaces what he consumes with something better. Something healthier, something stronger. He does it every time. God consumes what is broken, what is wrong, what is sinful, what is unhealthy in us, and he replaces it with something much better. We see this in Galatians 5, which we've been walking through every single time. This is why Paul says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And he lists all these sinful actions, sinful attitudes, sinful things. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and I hope you can say it with me. Let's try it. Ready? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, Paul said. Good job, by the way. I'm trusting that you guys at home did it well as well. One of the things we said at the beginning of this series is that faithfulness would not get its own day because faithfulness strings through every single one and that we'd wrap up with love instead of, instead of start with it. Well, today and the rest of these times, I want to give you just a little bit more about faithfulness, but we're going to focus on gentleness 
primarily. Are, we, are you with me? That's the little roadmap for today. Let's talk about faithfulness for a second. In the fruit of the Spirit sense, faithfulness is it's action based on faith. It's actually, only, it is literally the same word, the Greek word pistis, that was usually translated faith in the scripture. And that's because you can't separate these ideas. The idea of faith in our modern culture is more about what you believe, what you kind of think, what you might accept as probably true, what you can kind of say, yeah, okay, that's, I believe that. But in the scripture, the concept is completely inseparable from what you actually do. So if you are faithful, you are so full of faith that you act on it and you keep acting on it and you keep acting on it until the day you die. That's faithfulness. That's what God gives to us except for the die part. God never stops loving us, never stops doing the things that God does. And when he inspires faith, when he inspires faithfulness in us, it's a continual, relentless pursuit of what we believe in. One of the best ways I've ever heard it said or described is, I don't think he was even trying to say it, but he did a good job, it was Rocky. Remember the Rocky movies? I love, I love those movies. I've condensed one of his big speeches just a little bit, but listen to this. This is what faithfulness sounds like. Going in one more round when you don't think you can. Ever been there? He says, the world will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. Nobody is going to hit as hard as life, but it ain't how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. I wish I could do a good Sylvester. That's how winning is done. That, that's the best I got. It sounds much better when Rocky says it, but that's so true. And it describes what it looks like when we live a full life of, we put all of our faith in Christ. It, it's what marriage looks like. It's what parenting looks like. It's what friendship looks like. It's what doing an account, a real accountability in a growth group looks like. It's what being a real member of a church looks like. One of the best ways I've heard it said recently is a brand new song from one of my personal favorite bands, Johnny Swim. And if you haven't heard Johnny Swim, you're missing out. Kudos to them out there, wherever they are. They probably will never know about this sermon, but there you go. But in one of their new songs called Devastating, now, here's a couple of the lyrics. I wish I could play the whole song. It says, ring on my finger, tag on my toe. That means we made it. Generations aft and forth sing amen, amen. Is it even worth it if it, if, is it even worth it if there ain't heartbreak waiting? I want to love you till it's devastating. Real love, just like the real power of God, consumes and it's replaced by something better, stronger. That's how it works. Again, back to Hebrews. Faith is the confidence we have in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Again, the same exact word. Faith, faithfulness, peace in Greek. It's the same concept. And it's also the same concept in James 2 when he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, such a faith, can such a faith save them? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. It's not faith unless it's faith 
full. It's not faith unless there's action involved. If you just think it, if you just feel it, that's not faithfulness. And the Holy Spirit of God, hear me on this, the Holy Spirit of God is what empowers us. Who empowers us? To actually act on the things we say we believe. To actually believe them to the point that we can't help but act. That we can't help but keep acting on those things. It's the same word that Jesus Christ himself used several times throughout the Gospels when he told somebody, you have great faith. Or go in peace, your faith has healed you. Because he knew that those actions that they had made to have call out to him for help and his willingness to heal them in that moment were going to have lasting, continual effects the rest of their lives. It's one big idea. And it threads through every single idea that we're walking through together this series. Are we tracking so far? Did you get that email? Awesome. Let's talk about gentleness for just a little bit. When I think about gentleness, I think about being a parent of small children back in the day. Uh, nowadays, literally every single one of my sons are bigger than me, taller than me, some of them even a little wider. One of them. <laughs> but seriously, the, uh, I, I remember being so terrified to hold them when they were a baby. Any other parents out there, especially dads? They're just, just so aware that one wrong move, I, 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 could, I could mess this kid up. I mean, it was, it was so scary. And it's, it, it, it's not because anything was wrong with them. It was just because at that moment in time, I was way bigger than them. Now they have to be gentle with me. But at that, at that moment, at that moment I, I, I was so much bigger than them. And I had so much responsibility. And it was a scary thing. And you can bet I was careful. And like any dad, I also got used to it and, you know, threw him in the air and caught him and all that stuff. And that was awesome, too. But I was gentle about that, too. It wasn't as willy-nilly and as crazy as it looked like from the outside looking in. There was no way I was going to do something to intentionally, knowingly endanger these people that I love so much. I was careful because I knew I was stronger than them. That's what it looks like. And then as a parent, you understand how this works, right? You train them to be gentle. A little kid, the first time they hold a butterfly. I think we got a picture of that. Yeah, you hold a butterfly. They want to pet it, right? They want to hug it. They want to taste it. And you're like, no, no, no. No, no, you got to be gentle. You just hold a butterfly. You're so much bigger than that. There's no way you can be gentle. You can hug a butterfly gently enough. You just can't. You can't do that. And you have to teach them that. You're strong, so be careful. A lot of times gentleness gets a bad rap. Nobody wants to talk about it because people think that gentleness means you're weak. It's the exact opposite. Gentleness is you, you are so strong or at least, at least you have access to something so powerful that you have to be careful. It's like driving or a bunch of other things that we all kind of take for granted that could be so dangerous, could bring so much harm, could just absolutely wreck somebody else's life. And we dare not take it lightly. We have to be gentle. We have the most powerful force in the universe flowing through us. God's people have the most powerful force in the universe in us and trying to run our lives for us, to serve, to change the world through us. 
We've got to be the most careful people on earth. But not careful in the sense that we don't do anything. Careful that we do, but we do it gently. Did you get that text? All right, praise God. Here we go. Let's move on just a little bit further. We also sometimes, here's one of the things we do as God's people, is we accidentally hurt people, and that's just wrong. But I, I love this quote from Awosika, I'm sorry, Ibukun Awosika. I love this, this idea from her. Trust and love are not the same. You can trust people you don't love and love people you don't trust. I'm going to read that one more time because that sounds almost like that can't be true, but it's very true. Listen one more time. Trust and love are not the same. You can trust people you don't love and love people you don't trust. That's true, isn't it? And I think parenting a small child, again, is one of the best ways to understand that. You don't, no, no, nobody that I know of would just leave their toddler at home and say, it's okay, I trust them. And if anything, parents tend to overshoot their kids' potential. They trust them maybe a little too much. They think they're maybe smarter than they really are. Am I right? We, we, we tend to overshoot. We usually err on the other side. But we know better. There's no way a toddler can hang out all alone with no supervision. Oh, they'll be fine. I trust them. But do you love them? Come on, parents. That was, do you love them? You bet you do. It's not the same thing. All truly strong people are careful with others. And that is the heart of the concept of gentleness in the scriptures. The Greek word is praltes, and you see it throughout the scripture. We'll walk through that in a second. But here's the idea. It's you're truly strong, and so you have to be careful. The Holy Spirit, when he creates gentleness in us, he gives us more strength than most of us dare to imagine. And he also teaches us to be gentle. To be able to use those tools that he gives us, but to use them in a way where we're not intentionally or even accidentally hurting the people around us. We use the strength he gave us, hear this, to protect others and to nurture them. Again, like parenting or dealing with a little puppy or several other. It's not that you're so much better than them at all. It's that you have plugged into the ultimate power of the universe. And until they can do it too, you have to be gentle. The dream is you're going to help them learn to do it too. And then they have to be gentle with you. Is this making sense? Do you guys get this? This is so foundational, but this is stuff that maybe we all know, but we don't always live it out. But you see it throughout the scripture. You see it in God the Father. There's that image of fatherhood right there. We call him God the Father. He also calls himself a shepherd. And he says in Isaiah 40, 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. We see this in Christ the Son. Enormous strength. He is the Savior. He is the Christ. That's why we call him that. And yet he says to each one of us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy. Remember a couple weeks ago we looked at that? It's kind. It's tailored to you. He's put some individual thought into serving you and blessing you and making it fit you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So we have all these examples. We have all these things built into marriage and parenting and creation to be able to see what gentleness looks like. We have the example of God, the example of Jesus. But what does it look like when God's people live gently? What does it look like when we actually live this way? Again, I refer you back to Ibukun Avosika, another great quote I've used a couple times. You'll probably hear it at least one more time in this series. But she says, this is a, an equation that we have to master in life. Too much plus too little equals enough. We've got to get used to the idea that at any given moment, all of us have too much of something. And that's not just because we're lucky. It's because God has blessed us and empowered us to bless someone else to use that. And in any given moment, all of us have too little of something. And that means we need to get help from someone. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how it works. Too much plus too little equals enough. And when we're offering our surplus, whether that's time or energy or some talent we have or some truth that we know about or access to the Holy Spirit of God himself, when we offer that to someone who doesn't have that, that's us offering our too much and we must do it gently. And when we need that, when we need some of that from someone else, when we need their time or their energy or their resources or their encouragement or whatever else, we need their help to help us connect or reconnect to God. We've got to be humble enough to accept that we're the too little in the equation at that moment and we're all still on the same team. That's what it looks like to live gently together. Paul says it in Romans 15 like this. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. In Ephesians 4, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It looks like unity. Does that sound familiar when we talked about peace? That the fruit of the Spirit kind of peace is actually based in the wholeness and completeness and the unity that we can only get through God. In fact, would you read the rest of this passage out loud with me? There is one body and one Spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's what it looks like. We work as a team. We work as a body. We're one flock under one shepherd, one army under one commander. We are the people of God, the family of God, the friends of God, the servants of God. We unite around a common cause. Much like post 9-11, we saw people rally against a common enemy at that moment in time. We rally against the enemy of sin, against every lie that tries to 
discredit or, or blind us to the truth. We rally against not people, never people, but those kind of enemies. And we rally under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That one body works under that one spirit. And we have one hope. And the list goes on. So what would it look like if we did this? What would it look like? And I know we do. I know this happens. I know this happens a lot. It happens daily on some level. But what would it happen if all of us nailed it every time? What about if every single one of us absolutely nailed the Holy Spirit's version of gentleness every single day? What if we all hit the bullseye? Here's, here's what I believe that would look like. Shola Richards says, people should feel respected when they walk in, when they walk out, and everywhere in between. Notice that means they should feel respected. The people that come in, maybe the people that don't agree with what I'm saying, the people that don't necessarily doctrinally agree with us on every point. There's some things they don't really like. They don't like the songs we sing. They don't like, we're not really sure why they even showed up. But if they show up, we sh they should feel respected in this space. When they show up, when they leave, and everywhere in between. And what about when you're out in their territory? If they encounter you as a representative of God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit living in you, you're a portal to the most powerful force in the universe. When they come into your presence, they should feel respected. When they leave your presence, they should feel respected. And everywhere in between. That doesn't mean what we're saying isn't the truth. That doesn't mean that Jesus is not the way, the truth, the life. It doesn't mean we compromise on anything, but we show respect to other people. Amen. We treat them as people that, that were made in the image of God, just like we are. People who need that rest restoration that we need, that we've received and are still receiving. James says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. See how all this ties together? The faith, the faithfulness, the gentleness. Paul writes to Timothy, opponents, opponents, here we go. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Anybody here like Westerns? Like Westerns? I love old Westerns. Uh, I, even the cheesiness of them. Um, I, 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 I like them. One of the tropes that you see over and over is they always have the, it, it, I think it's even the same prop. It looks the same. Everybody had the same little jail. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, got, it's got like wooden, like clay, clay bricks and it's got that one little window on the back that's ridiculously easy for a horse to pull out of the wall. You know what I'm saying? But, but somehow they always capture the hero and the hero's stuck in there and their people have to bust them out. And they have to bust them out because that's the hero. That's their leader and they need the help. It's not that that person is so weak, but they know that at that moment they are trapped. And when you're rescuing somebody, you treat them with respect, Right? That's a totally different thing than when you're attacking them. We've got to get this. 
We've got to get this. We rescue people from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. We don't attack them. We don't fight them. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously about your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. I'm trying to make this as practical as absolutely possible. This is possibly the most practical that I can get. You can't be gentle in the Holy Spirit sense online. Now, I know that this truth is going out there online, but guess what? You guys are seeing my body language. You're seeing my smile. If you pay attention, if you give me more than just a couple of clicks, you are hearing the whole thing. You're hearing a message of love, a concern. You're not hearing hate. But if I just put... There's only one way to God, and that's Jesus. It doesn't matter how gentle I feel. That one post isn't going to change anybody. Do you understand? It's still true. Social media is a great idea for us to stay connected with people we're connected with. It's a great idea to connect with people you aren't. But let's not ever assume that arguing with people online is God's will. In fact... I'd like you to say this out loud with me. You can even put your hand over your heart if you will. I will never change anyone's mind online. Try and remember that next time. Now, I hope we're changing somebody's mind. Maybe even just leading them a little closer to God as we put stuff in its entirety online, as we share the whole gospel, as we share this. But we're, listen to me, the Holy Spirit is designed. He has designed us to work in community, to work in real life. Be very, very careful with what you just randomly post online. Because we've got to love God with everything. We've got to love others as we love ourselves. And let me ask you this. If you were really hurting, if you're really, really hurting, you're questioning if there's even a God at all. Is a tweet going to save your life? Is a Facebook post saying, ha ha, see, God was right all along. Is that going to convince you from being an atheist to suddenly you believe? No. Love others like you love yourself. Give them some real time, some real love, some in-person, maybe even social distance. Do your thing. I don't know. But real person love. That's where the Holy Spirit can help us change the world. As we wrap up, I just want to make sure that we remember these, these truths together one more time. The Good Samaritan represents so many of these things, and it, it, that includes gentleness. But most of all, uh, here, here's what, it, what matters is what we do. The faithfulness that we explored this morning, the gentleness that we explored this morning. What really matters is what we actually do about it. If, if you just go, oh, wow. Ooh, that got me this morning. That doesn't do anybody any good. What's going to do something good is if you, you take what we do in here together, you take it out there and you do it. Don't forget that. Just being a Christian doesn't do any more good than being a priest or being a Levite does. What does good is helping the person who needs help. 
As always, we're going to sing one more song. As they come, I want to share just, some of you have heard this before, but it's one of the best ideas that I've ever heard about how this works. There's a magician and entertainer called Penn Gillette. Anybody ever heard of Penn Gillette? Incredibly gifted, really brilliant guy, but sadly he's, he's an atheist. He's got a post on YouTube you can watch if you're curious and hearing it in his own words. But he had a guy come to him backstage and he waited nights. He, he kept buying a ticket and waiting several nights to give him a Bible that he had personally highlighted certain things in it, written a loving note in it. And he approached him and hung out with all, the, all of the fans outside the back door who were hoping to get a... a autograph or something and he approached him and he did it respectfully and he gave him this bible and he says i know that you are an atheist at this point but i know you're also incredibly smart and incredibly gifted and i believe if you really gave god a chance you might come to him and i believe this is the truth and i want to share this with you and Penn got on youtube and you might imagine that what he would get on there to do would be to rant but he said I respect that guy so much. And I respect his respect for me so much. He said, that guy spent money. That guy spent time. That guy did it. He went way out of his way trying to reach me. Penn said, I don't believe what he believes. But he said, listen, how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them about salvation if you really believe it's true? Did you hear that? How much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them about the one way, the one truth, the one life, if you really believe it's true? Do it in a gentle way. Faithfully keep doing it. But do it. If God has something you need to do this morning, please make that choice as we stand and sing.